0: This podcast is sponsored by CDO Group, the industry leader providing a full range of construction and project management services. CDO Group has managed thousands of projects in all 50 states. Their group of experts provide systems, processes, and procedures to make sure that your projects turn over on time and on budget every single time. With over 24 years of experience, CDO Group is the industry's leader in construction management and general contracting services. To find them, go to CDOGroup.com. Hi, and welcome to the Future of Development podcast. My name's Anthony Montatecchi, and I'm here to inspire people to find amazing careers in the construction development world. If you like our podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really like our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Welcome to the Future of Development podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Monoteghi, and today I've got a hot conversation with the one and only Chris Ressa from DLC Management. He is the expert in all things retail development. You are going to like the challenge that we put on in this show. Let's welcome Chris to the show. Chris, welcome to the show. Excited about having you on. You know, as we get into the real estate world, as we find the entrepreneurs that are changing the landscape of this country and really continue to develop through these crazy real estate times. Uh, excited about having you on the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me.
1: Excited to be here.
0: You know, it's, uh, it's, it's something to say uh, today's real estate world is changing faster than ever. Uh, you know, are, are you seeing the impacts of that and how are you seeing that impact on the shopping centers and the properties that you're developing?
1: Real estate is always challenged uh, because if you're building something and when you start coming up with the idea, you're solving to a demand in the marketplace today that you may not need be able to fill for three to five years, right? You have a piece of land. You say, this is the perfect site for, you name it, multifamily, self-storage, shopping center, industrial, and then, you know, but it's not zoned for that, let's say, but it's perfect for it. Well, you got to go through all these things to get it like properly zoned. And then you have to go through the planning process and you have to build it. And before you can actually deliver the product to the market, you're, you could be years in the making. We've all heard of the the, the deals that were like, they've been planning that for 20 years. Well, I think that's a challenge in today's real estate landscape because the world is moving much quicker and markets shift and you might be solving and building to a demand that might not exist long in the future. So I think that's the the world is moving fast. And I think all, you know, people in the real estate space are trying to think about how to serve the demand today given the constraints of real estate. And what you're seeing in a lot of scenarios is, you know, I think the buzz is definitely redevelopment because to do new development to solve to that is really challenging. Probably the new development that I think people are super comfortable with in just general real estate would probably be single family housing. Obviously there's other things being developed, right? You have multifamilies being developed, even, you know, there's still new offices that'll get built and new shopping centers that'll get built. I, I, when I say less development, I mean at a smaller scale. But I think you know that's led the opportunity for the redevelopment to circumvent that time to deliver the demand to the marketplace in the t- in a timely manner. And um, until those approval process, there's always there's always the iconic pieces of dirt or that that. Are irreplaceable. But when you're talking, and, and those might be the, the same demand 50 years from now, but when you're talking in these mobile, in a mobile world where people are more transient than they've ever been, I think you, you end up seeing a lot of redevelopment to end up solving to a demand that's today.
0: You know, you know, it's more than ever I've seen, you know, brands having a tough time planting the flag, right? They're like, all right, you know, they're, they're not sure they want to spend or you get the investment. You know, there are some brands out there, the iconic brands, the, the Targets, the you know, Burlington's, the, there, there are folks out there that, that know how to do property and they just just know how to do it, no, no matter what the economy is. If it's, if it's a good economy, they're doing fine. If it's a bad economy, they're, they're, they're thriving even more. There are those brands that will do fine in that, uh, that area, you know, uh, but the brands that, there's a lot of brands, out there that are just having a hard time, you know, with with competition changing the pandemic. You know, the, even even the uh, brands that we where we build office buildings for the the share spaces, the WeWorks, the the brands that we work for that are that are all share tenants. You know, they're all still scratching their head. All right, all, right, all right, let's, We got inventory. We got projects we're working on. We're not sure. You know, the this pandemic changed the way people are working from home. Or, but you know, it's also also it's also kind of proving out some of it as well there's also a lot of people going look we worked at home it sucked we don't want to work from home we want we want that shared environment where where i leave i get dressed and i go to work you know having the dog and sitting in my in my boxers all day i wasn't very productive right and it felt like i was missing some stuff so some of it i believe got proved out but there's still uh you know a lot of people are still trying to figure out which way the economy is going to go and how the developers are going to uh, you know are same thing, they're kind of, you know, where where are clients gonna come from?
1: A lot said there. I think my response on the, on the overall is, I think we've come away with two conclusions from this, which is one, a hybrid work environment is here to stay. I think the reality is that most, what people task oriented work that involves like sitting down at a computer or something can probably be done anywhere that doesn't mean that's the that that's the best thing for the company but can the work actually get done sure and then i think the other thing the converse to that is the world has realized that there's an unquantifiable significant value to the human connection and when i think about work from home work from office i think what i don't hear enough about is the work from home piece is less about to me, at least anecdotally, not empirically, anecdotally, as you talk to people, is a little bit less about the location of it being in their, you know, in their house, in their basement, but more about that people are looking for the flexibility in life. People's personal lives are busier than they've been ever. Uh, And I think people are looking for flexibility. So if that flexibility, you're you're probably, and we have a hybrid work model now, we instituted three days in office, two days uh, flex. What I would say is I think people are looking for flexibility. They want the opportunity to be able to run to the bank, meet with their accountant and not have to cram everything after hours at work or on a Saturday and Sunday. And I think, what we'll start to see, I think, going in the future is less about the location and more about the flexibility. Uh, we're not there today. We're really focused on location as a country and where it happens. But I think when you break it down, it's it's really about the flexibility. Why does someone want to work at home? The It could be childcare. It could be it could be that they've got a lot of things going on and it's, they, they can multitask and they got a lot of b- balls in the air. They want to be able to pop out and go pick the kids up from school. They want to be able to pop into the grocery store going. They like to work out at lunch and they have a meeting with their financial advisor this week. Well, I don't know. Let's call that all like eight hours. Right. Maybe. And so what does that mean? Maybe the flexibility is different than location. Maybe it's, duration, maybe it's flex time when the person's working. Maybe, right? It, I think I think what we're going to see more as it relates to that is flexibility becomes a big, hot topic. I think that's a word we'll start to see in the next couple of years. That's a buzzword uh, in the work, in the knowledge worker workplace.
0: Well, I mean, you're the, you're the, uh, uh, you know, executive vice president of operations for DLC, right? And you and, and people are working from home. Are you feeling like they're more productive or less productive when they're when when you've got this environment?
1: I think it depends on how you define productivity. I think what's more important is to talk about what's lost. I think what's lost is if if Bob sends an email to John and john's bob's boss and says hey i got a question on this john comes out of the office and says hey bob here's how i might handle that situation well now everyone out in the cubes heard john give that advice that's gone right no one now that's silent no one's hearing john say that so i think the what's missing in just general is the serendipitous interaction, the pop-ins that you could argue could be distractions, but also really important to building relationships. And the, you know, when you're at home, it's hard to do the onboarding, training development, collaboration. You know, we talk about, our CEO talks about all the time, my partner that thinks the, the future office in a decade looks like a fancy hotel lobby. Right. It's a place of collaboration, training and development, not so much a place to, you know, where you're shooting out emails.
0: Uh, you know the uh, if if you go over to the Soho House over here in Chicago, that's what it looks like. Right, Is it like there's folks in their laptops yeah. having little meetings in a corner. A couple of them yeah. have time in between. You know the um, I, I think you yeah. hit on something really really key uh, before about uh, uh, that collaborate. You know that piece. You know for uh, for thousands for uh, you know hundreds of thousands of years we were tribal, right? We had these tribes that that walked this planet and we walked together, right? And and you and I might have been part of a hunting group and and you know you, you had an elder and you walked with somebody and said, all right, all right, Chris, you're holding a spear. And you're not holding it right. Hey, when you sneak up on this guy, you, you, you do it this way. You got guidance, right? There was a support that happened and there was this feedback you got. And, and I, I feel like that's what we get in the office. We get that feedback loop that's really important to the development of people and the team. You know, a lot of times when we're home, uh, working away, you, you get to feel, it doesn't feel the same. You can't feel the love or or not even the love. You can't feel the, the connection or, the, you know, you, you kind of get an order, but you're not getting the relationship to it and the rest of the tribe isn't getting it, right like you said that that feedback is missing so that there's that separation you know we are essentially very communal people right i mean uh, uh, humans are are very communal and having the rest of that uh, uh, group around us and seeing that and watching each other right and adapting to the team's behavior and seeing that there is a real value to that and you know i, I think that you know we will we'll have a jump when we get to the metaverse we'll, we'll see that that big jump where people can interact um uh, socially in a virtual or augmented environment, but, you know, we're still not there yet. And, uh, you know, we're sort of push, you know, we're starting to sonar what that feels like, but I don't know that it's a hundred percent there yet.
1: Yeah. Well, it's not there. You can't even do it really on your phone yet. So I think we got a, we got a while for the metaverse to, if yeah, even for me, um if I can't operate it on my phone, it gets less use. So I think, I think that's a lot of society, right? Like in general, I, I could run like majority of the business on my phone. So if there's things that you can't do on your phone, that's pretty inefficient.
0: No, it, it's by far being strapped to a desk is, uh, it, this is something of the past. Having, having being be able to communicate and, and grab things you need and access them on the go, wherever you're at. Uh, here, I, I go on multiple business trips a year where I never even need a laptop anymore. I, I, I'm in a business meeting. Uh, rarely do I need to break out my laptop. I've got a phone and I can do most of the things I need to do on a phone. The rare occasion where I can't, I'll pull off that laptop that I've been dragging for hundreds of thousands of miles. You know, uh, talk talk to me a little bit more about um, the challenges that you see going forward. So how are the real estate deals that you're working on today? How are they different today than they were, t- you know, uh, five years ago?
1: Well. Uh I'll set the the parameters a little bit. So DLC owns approximately two and a half billion dollars of commercial real estate. We are uh it's about 18 million square feet, give or take. And there's three partners, myself and two other guys, Jonathan Wigser and Adam Ipson. And I run all the stuff that's the tenant-facing side, which is uh leasing, which is the deal-making construction, property management, uh, our redevelopment and marketing. And, you know, we're constantly in the market looking to improve and add value to those properties. And we're constantly in the market looking to buy new ones. So I think we're in this interesting place, which is um, capital markets transaction side, property, retail property in America's, contrary to headline news, is pretty sought after. Retail has been very strong, and typically there's credit-worthy entities on the leases that you're buying those income streams from. And there's been virtually no new development for a long time. And in fact, CBRE put out a a, a piece that said by 2025, 25% of all retail space, and this was like last year, will be a different use. So what are the impacts of that really? The impacts of that are that probably retail property values rise because now there's more scarcity and the spaces that retailers are looking to expand into rise in value too because there's scarcity and less space. So if you believed in the concept that we were overstored in America over the years, uh, which I'm not saying I necessarily believe. I actually think we have too many online stores, not too many physical stores. That's for another day. Uh, but the the premise is obviously to that is if that's the case, then in your right sizing, it'll be impactful to value. So um, we're seeing prices in retail properties with strong that are good locations and strong credit profiles of the tenants uh, be super competitive to buy. And on the leasing side, uh, there's extreme demand for space retails on fire. And I think, you know, what's been proven, you know, Michael Praisman of the CEO of Everlane, he was on Jim Cramer and he's Jim Cramer's like, why are you in 2012, you're an online only brand. You're starting to open up stores. Why are you opening up stores? And Michael Praisman says, and this was in 2018, he says to Jim Cramer, what online-only retailer actually makes money? Jim Cramer like looks at him, and Michael Praisman goes, "Virtually none of them. That's the dirty little secret." And so, uh, the reality is, people talk about the brick-and-mortar stores like it's got to be experiential and it has to be all these things. When the reality is, it's the place that retailers profit the most today is the retail store, the four walls. The cost of entry is higher, but the the Online in the variable cost structure, right? My wife can't buy four, return three, pay no shipping, and the retailer make money. That just doesn't, that it doesn't matter what, the, what whatever the cost, that doesn't pencil. And the consumer might want that, but the retailer is not profiting. And customer acquisition costs are through the roof. If you look at customer acquisition costs, that's essentially marketing for digitally only brands. What you see is that most of their marketing to revenue percentages are higher than many traditional retailers occupancy and marketing budgets combined. So I say customer acquisition cost is the new rent. It's higher than the new rent because it's variable. The more clicks you get, the more it goes up. The, um, so you have the reverse logistics problem. You have customer acquisition costs uh, and today you have the whole supply chain challenges. So what where, uh, is online gonna continue to grow? Sure, but so is physical. This is why you're seeing all these digitally native brands open up new open up stores. They started out as online only and now they have all these stores. Warby Parker was an online only brand. They have 140 stores today. They just went public and their stores are more profitable, some say, it's debatable, than the online business. So I think that yes, there's higher growth, um, percentages online year over year. But if you're talking about how to make a profit, the four walls of our store have proven uh, time and time again, you know, we have a presentation internally that says the store has one. Uh, it, it's the, the online and brick and mortar, the omni-channel is necessary. You need to be symbiotic in retailing. You need both channels for most retailers. Some brands, one channel could work based on price and the value proposition, but to think that online the online like being a detriment to physical retail, that's that's the tailwind, not the headwind. It, it, it's clear and proven out of time and time again that their symbiotic and physical retail is not only here to stay, it's it's impactful. Right. Think about this. Pre-pandemic, I don't know, like 2018, Career Builder did something that said like 78% of all Americans were paycheck to paycheck. I don't know what it is today. I'm assuming it's somewhere in some standard deviation to that. So those people cannot afford to pay for shipping. They can't pay shipping on every product. It doesn't work, right? That, that consumer. Now the retailers can't make money unless they charge them for shipping.
0: So where does that leave
1: you? Go to the store.
0: You know, I, I think that's interesting. You know, it, it's a little bit counterintuitive uh, to where, where I, I, I've seen, but, you know, I, I got it. You know, we, we spent a lot of time uh, uh, traveling, looking at different retailers across the world. And uh, my wife and I were uh, in Europe uh, just recently, and and we're going through. They've got whole segments of malls that have now become pop-up malls, right? Where retailers are going in, and and, and like you said, there are a lot more retailers than ever before. There are in in uh, what we've noticed are there are a lot of great brands coming up, uh, really, uh, you know, fitting the American lifestyle. That you know, our our society has definitely gone up a notch. As far as uh, disposable income, the availability of cash—if you look around—you can really see that uh, we've got this, and, and the premium products that really support that lifestyle are there. Now, I think a lot of them—I've are, 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 seen hesitation in it, but you know, as that 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 supply shrinks, maybe it does get more valuable. But we're seeing a lot of. Uh, you know, we, we saw a lot of, of malls that were 100% pop-up or, or maybe 90% pop-up. I mean, there was a key tenant or, or, or a, uh, there was food courts that had you know, did die, really dynamic food court. Uh, we were just down in Delray Beach and they've got a food court down there that, that changes uh, on a regular season, right? They, they bring in these top brands. The food court itself carries all the equipment and the brands just come in and work out of there. They showcase their talents, uh, show everybody the neat stuff that they do. But ultimately the, the, the the developer has developed them all. So I think
1: that's like, if you drew a bell curve, those are all the exceptions. That's never going to be the main, the main portion. I think it's, it's the exceptions. It's, it's fun. It's going to work in some places, but where, where, where do you live, Anthony? We're in Chicago. Where? Oak Park. Oak Park. So, like, I don't see the everyday Jewel Osco Center being that, where, you know, you go to Jewel Osco. And you, that, that to me, that's a neighborhood feel that's not about this like iconic destination, about lifestyle oriented. Those are daily needs oriented. And I think there's a big difference between the lifestyle. And destinational driven types of projects versus just daily needs. And if you think about the majority of America, it's really about the daily needs type things, right? The nail salon, Chinese restaurant, pizza restaurant, and the and the grocery store and you know, the laundromat for those who don't have, you know, laundry. And I, I, like that's why I went to the 78%. A lot of times when you're seeing headline news about things changing in retail, it's it's sometimes it's about retail that's catering to such a small piece of the population that it's just, it's not really painting a broad brush of actually what's happening in the world, right? When they talk about Walmart, Amazon, Target, that's the case for sure, cause they are. But when you're talking about some of the the niche plays in like a, a pop-up mall of like these cool lifestyle brands, I love it, it's cool. I just wanna, the point I'm trying to make is that it, it's just, that's playing around the edges and that's not really
0: the core of America. I I think it's interesting. You know, I think there's a, a lot of core of America that have, have found, you know, the first time ever I saw my wife do an order for Costco online. You know, I mean, for years, I mean, for years it, it's been our, you know, a couple of times a month we, we trudge our whole family. Or we trudge, her and I trudge over there. We got, you know, six twelve hundred bucks every other week in Costco crap that uh, we bring back for the family. And, the other day, I saw a guy show up here with Costco. I'm like, huh. She goes, yeah, I figured out how to do it online. I'm like, what? So I, I, would
1: say, I would say this. We went through a global pandemic and people were stuck at home for the most part. In general, what percentage of all retail sales do you think happen in a physical store in America, all of the retail sales?
0: How, what is the physical number of sales in the retail world that happens online versus happening. if you took if you took all the retail
1: sales, all the dollars that go to buy goods in America, all the retail sales. What percentage of that pie is done online versus in a store?
0: I don't know, Eric. Uh, Eric, or uh, uh, one you guys, make? will you guys look that up for us real quick? Or do you, do you have- oh, I know. Oh, I know the answer. I know the answer.
1: Okay. I know the answer. Okay. I know the answer. I'm asking you. I flipped the interview. Oh, so you. it's it's like
0: it's like north of eighty percent is done in a store. Hmm. I find that. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see that that's, that's I, I would. So if you look at the census,
1: the census reports it every, every quarter,
0: They'll, they'll, pull, they'll pull it for us. When you guys pull that, uh, get that detail on uh, on, on how much uh, online versus on there. I mean, that's that's a pretty interesting number. I mean, so there is a lot of, so I guess the point you're trying to get, there's still a lot of great stuff that's happening in stores. People are, you know, having the availability of knowing I can go get that and get it right now, not wait for it for a day, knowing that I can go there and feel it, uh, size it, feel the product. You're, is that what you're saying? Eh,
1: kind of, a little bit. I'm saying that, well, one of the, uh, that's one of the things I'm saying. I'm also saying, right, there's a consumer who will pay $200 to have it shipped to them. There is also a consumer that can't afford the extra 399 to have their groceries shipped to them. That's the majority.
0: I I hear you, I got it. So as as you guys are developing, looking at your properties and and restructuring all these properties that you have around the country, uh, how is that? Uh, how is this impacting that those restructurings?
1: I, I so I, I think that there's at so at scale there is a lot less restructuring of the lease terms as you would think. I think. The reality is if you're a retailer and you're growing, right? You're growing, you've determined this is the right spot and you're gonna, you're growing, you're, let's say you're a public retailer and you're growing. The number one thing about the location isn't flexibility. The number one thing is about securing the location for as long as possible at as low cost as possible I'm trying to get the cost up, I'm collecting the rent, but that's really what you're doing, right?
0: And so that that's the right spot. I mean, this is the classic issue with, 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 with bricks and sticks construction, right, and this is where the retailers today are all, all shaking their head going, where do we put our locations, right? I don't think that's true. I don't think they're
1: shaking their head. I think if you look, look at what's happened, right, majority of retailers are, have been, like last year, we opened more stores in America than we closed. So more new store opens than more closures. And majority of those were on long-term leases. And the reality is that most of those retailers wanted them just as much as the landlords, right? If you're a pizza location, you open up, you're you know, Anthony and Chris want to open a pizza location. Yeah. We find this great spot, downtown, wherever, you know, downtown in Naperville. So I'll go to your world. We go to Naperville. We want to open up in Naperville. We find this location. You and I, to open up a pizza shop, we got this cool concept we want to do. Now you're in construction. What's it going to cost me to build the pizza shop? $400,000. Okay, 400 grand. So you and I sink 400 grand in to buy this, to, to, to build this pizza shop out. Yep. And then I sign a one year lease and now the landlord can kick me out after a year? After I just invested 400 grand? No way, I wanna lock it. I wanna try and get the landlord to give me as low as rent as possible. I need to lock that in as long as possible. By the way, I'm probably not gonna get financing. If you and I decide, ah, we don't wanna put it all in as equity. No bank is gonna lend when I can lose the location. I'm The bank's going to want to see lease term. They want to see lease term. They want to see you to make that money. Right. Exactly. So I think this whole concept of like, so the pop-up thing that you mentioned, like in the mall, I think it's great and cool. We don't have any product like that and you're going to see it, but I think that's going to overwhelmingly consistently be the minority unless you're in construction, unless you drop your prices, By three gazillion dollars, and you let that me build my pizza shop for 20 grand, then if we do that, then you might see something. But to get infrastructure in place to do businesses that generate real yield and significant sales, you costs dollars. So that's why I said before, the cost of entry in a for retail is 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 more than online. You and I can open up a t-shirt shop online real quickly, real fast and make some money. The minute we wanna scale and build infrastructure and we're shipping to multiple markets, the retail, physical, begins to be more profitable.
0: The things that we're seeing with the, when you talk about that, uh, you know, $400,000, you know, that that market down in Delray Beach, that's putting, uh, you know, it's got these restaurants that change all the time. The developer's gone through and, and, and spent the money to build out each one of those uh, shop locations. Now what happens is they're getting a premium of rent. When you talk about wanting more rent, right? Now they're, what they're doing is there's no investment by the pizza company. They literally show up with their with their crew and they've got all this infrastructure, maybe a couple little parts and pieces, but their $400,000 is you know, less than 25% of that and now they're operating in that space. But now they're paying the landlord twice what they would have paid him in rent because they don't have the risk anymore. So. I, I think that the model works. U.S. census, got it,
1: page two. But if, if you go to the third column, it says e-commerce as a percentage of total retail sales.
0: E-commerce, got it, total sales, yep.
1: And if you just look for a long time, 13%, 15%, 13%, twelve and a half. So if you look each quarter, we're at like, you know, we retail sales grows. You're at like one six five trillion in retail sales, and like two hundred and fifteen thousand of that two hundred fifteen, or um, billion so is.
0: So just describe what we're looking at because people are not seeing this if they're listening. Yeah, so we're looking at the we're looking at the
1: total retail sales in America by breakdown of in a store and online. And what this is showing is that in Q three of twenty one. of the total retail sales were done online. In Q2 of 21, 13.3 were done online. In Q1 of 21, 13.6 were done online. In Q3 of 2020, 13.8. And what I think is interesting to note is the percentage of e-commerce penetration in total retail sales, if you just look at that, has gone down, not up, Hmm. over
0: the last year. So so online, you say,
1: is, is, is shrinking? No, it's not. It's growing as a percentage of the total pie. It shrank. Because if you look, if you look at the if you look at the right-hand side, e-commerce in Q3 2020, e-commerce rose 36%
0: well, in Q. I mean, I mean, we've also, we had a pandemic, people were, were sitting in right. their house. So right. it's, it now people are starting to come out of their caves. And they're starting to- Totally, that's total. But I can't, there's no way, there's not one other study I've ever seen where you're saying that online, does not continue to outpace the growth of, of retail, of physical retail. You're saying, you're saying so, that, that physical retail, uh, bricks and sticks is, is gonna outpace online growth?
1: No. Yeah. I'm saying I'm saying that as a percentage of total retail sales, e commerce is much smaller than people think. It's only thirteen percent. Let's say in America yeah, we sell here. The point I get
0: here, look, we're going to always yeah. have we're going to have this ebb and tide and shrinking and growing of of both of both economies. But you can't sit there and say that uh, you you've got shopping centers that have been operating the same way for the lifetime of they've been and and online has not affected them. It's dramatically affected the retailer throughout this country. If you if retailing- retail I think positively. I think positively. Maybe. Tell me tell me one
1: retailer that's gone bankrupt because of e commerce. Name one. Uh,
0: there National are, retail that we all know. Just yeah, name one. There, there are dozens of them that have gone. I can't name one. I can't name one. Kmart. Blocked. That was the, How about Kmart? How, how about? How about? I mean, literally, there. Are- Kmart. 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 Was Sears?
1: Was Kmart and Sears was on their way out forty years, forty years
0: ago, before online even existed. That's, that's, Those are Chris. I, I, you, you if, you, I'm if giving you. if you're sitting here saying that that today, yes. that online has not dramatically changed. I mean, Blockbuster went out of business because Netflix came in. And Netflix ne- Netflix went out of business because now we can stream it every Online has dramatically changed all retailers. If you're as a developer not thinking that that's true, I mean, you can keep selling yourself that, but somewhere you're gonna be looking at it going, there, there's no way that that's, that's possible. Today, online and, and the changes that we have to make in those shopping centers, have, I mean, they're they're affecting every. Dev- go to ICSE. I'll be at ICSE in a couple in a couple months here in May. And every single go look at that show floor. It's shrunk by a quarter, right? They, they're down to one room. They used to that thing used to fill up the whole convention hall. The re- it is dramatically changing the way the developers and people are are happening in, in this business. It's it's a big it's a pretty big uh, uh, effect on there, right? So can I respond to that? Sure. All right. So one, I think.
1: I think a lot of what you said is headline news. I just don't see it based rooted in fact. The industry has to change and it is changing. But by and large, online retailing has helped many physical retailers. So when we say change, when you say the word change, it makes this impetus that it's negative. I meant what I said, so Blockbuster online retailing and i'm very specific with my words blockbuster was a physical retailer of vhs and dvds the retail business did not get put out by online what got put out is their product was no more available that's like saying we have a new that's like the difference between horse and buggies and cars The reason horse and buggies went away was because we have a new invention, the same as Blockbuster, not
0: because physical retail went to online. Kmart, Sears, they were gone. Blockbuster went out because of Netflix. It was Right, that's what I mean. That's that's what I said. That was the same product. Now, Netflix went out because nobody has, I don't know who's got a DVD. You are correct at that point. Right, but listen. That was it's, no, but, also, but that's what. No, Chris, but but, physical, you're, but listen, you're 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 here. You're, I got. What you're
1: saying. I, I go on. I, I just went. I just I just interviewed uh, Susan Kapner of the Wall Street Journal on our podcast. Okay. Okay. She's a retail reporter, and the the quote, and you can check my LinkedIn that she said on my podcast, which I think is interesting, is that majority of the retailers that have closed stores have done so because of brand not because of physical retail. The point I'm making is that physical retail is strong and here to stay, That not that online's going away. But I will say this, if you think about the channel in which you sell does, is not what's putting people out, right? I, I think Barnes and Noble is a great example. Barnes, right? Barnes and Blockbuster to me are very similar. See, Blockbuster, you, you're going right to this Netflix thing. Which I think it's I don't think it's as simple as that. If you go to Barnes and Noble, right? Barnes and Noble had a book. They were, they sold books. Barnes, it wasn't that their physical store was at a threat to Amazon. It was their product was at
0: was being threatened because people were moving to eBooks and the product that they sold. No way. I, I, I still read more than anybody I know. And I buy more books from Amazon. I, I used to, read, So, but, I, but you're read, not, the, but people but go, to go to Barnes and Noble. I buy more books today from Amazon than I ever did before because as soon as I hear a book up here, you and I will talk about something. You'll say this book, I will order it. It'll be in my door tomorrow. I don't have to go anywhere. I, I'm not going down to Barnes and sitting there for two and a half hours. But, like but you are hunting through it. People are doing. it. Uh, that. that's that, there's no way. But people are not doing that anymore. Now, there may well, be let cases. me ask you a question. But yeah. well,
1: let me ask you a question. So let me finish my thought. Go ahead. So the point is, because you didn't let me finish. So Barnes, Barnes, sold, sells books, right? Barnes has not gone out of business. They are not close to being out of business. They have consistently sold books in their stores since Amazon has been here. And so the point I'm making the difference between them and Blockbuster is, you make this point that you don't go to the store, but they still have hundreds and hundreds of locations where they're selling a ton of books. And so the point, that, and, and so the point you're making is you don't go there, that's fine, but over the course, since Amazon's been around for, they started only selling books in the late 90s. They've been around for 20 plus years and still Barnes is here with hundreds of locations that are successful selling books they're a publicly traded company that hasn't had to take on uh, that hasn't had to take on what blockbuster had taken on and the point that i'm making is
0: it's a point that physical reach t- ticking their time is ticking the amount of stores that barnes has closed since amazon's come around is as many stores as they have opened. They've closed more stores than they have opened today. So as you go through that, it is Amazon is sucked out of their business, 50% or more of their business. And you're saying, yeah, they're still open. Great, they've got them, they're hanging on, but they are not, the margins are dramatically holding on to a bricks and sticks mortar location compared to an online agency that's selling that same book at, a less, at, at less price and more of a margin for them it's dramatically impacting. But that's not true. It's not more of a margin and less price. No, but no the price. point is, dramatically that, impacting. If you get into Barnes & Noble's economics, I don't have them in front of me, but there's no way in the world that the number- I'm of not suggesting, you're saying I'm saying things, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. What I said was,
1: that, that's not what I said. You're. I'm making a point, and then you're saying I'm saying something different. No, what no, I no, said-
0: You're saying it's still on, here, you're saying to me that, hold on, let me see if I get this right. Let me see. Sure. That- there's still a great retail business selling books. Cuz look, Barnes & Noble's still open and they're still doing great. I'm telling that, you, here, that, That's not what I'm saying. No. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm suggesting is the first you
1: you 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 the the point that I thought you were making was that online retailing was destroying physical retail. It is. I hear that that's is right. the point I'm
0: making. It, it is right. destroying. And physical.
1: so what I what I'm suggesting is majority over the majority of retail sales are still done in stores. Majority of online only
0: retailers are not profitable. The reality. Are, are you including grocery stores? Yes. Yeah. But, but hold on here. that That's yes. the consumer is just now catching up to that. Here, you're absolutely right. Just like my wife, just this in the last two weeks, just figured out I can buy stuff because before that, She's like no I don't I don't trust anybody to buy stuff. Yeah, I don't want them to buy my groceries for me. I don't trust. But you know this week when 700 or 800 dollars worth of Costco stuff showed up here without her doing anything, I bet you she never goes back to Costco. It might be a rare occasion when she goes back to Costco again to get the, the massive supplies it takes to move this family forward. But, but you
1: know But you but you, you you're in a different sphere. You're in a different sphere that I, that you missed the point that I made in the beginning. If do, you, do you, most Americans cannot afford to pay for shipping
0: and most retailers cannot ship it to you for free. That's not the case, because you're seeing them, look, the amount of time that it takes to get in your car and drive over there, it's cost you just as much as that shipping. And today with these online retailers giving you free shipping, I mean- But they're not making money, that's not going to work. The reality is uh,
1: there are are 2.1 online retailers in America, okay, where there was about a couple months ago, there's 2.1 online retailers in America they are splitting 13% of the sales. What's happened? 65%, before you jump in, you never let me finish my point. 65% of all online retail is done by 10 companies. Amazon, Target, Walmart, Wayfair, and a couple others, a couple others. The point is all the other 1.999 are struggling to fight those 35%. So the reality is we're talking about, what we're really talking about is Amazon, Walmart, Target, Costco and these other behemoths versus other online retailers. Because Amazon, Walmart and Target in 2020 said to you, keep it, instead of returning it because it's too much money to take back, we lose too much money. If you want it returned, keep it and we'll refund you you're a businessman, you know, that doesn't work long-term. Nobody can do that, right? Amazon and Walmart have the balance sheet to do that, but most online retailers cannot do that. Most physical retailers cannot do that. The reality is we're talking about the 10 companies that dominate 65% of all retail sales. And when you're talking about Costco, Amazon, and, and those companies, we're talking about the majority of online sales, but the minority of online retailers, there's another 1.9 million. And all of those retailers make no money when they ship to you for free. That's what I said, the customer acquisition cost is growing. And the, because it it costs to acquire a customer for most of these online retailers, it costs significantly more than they make on any product they sell you. That won't last and that's only getting exacerbated as Amazon, Walmart, Target continue to thrive. And so I, I think the reality is that online sales will grow, but physical sales are going to continue to grow because it's the most profitable place. It's proven by numbers. It's the most profitable place for a retailer to do business and it will be the most cost effective way for a consumer to buy it. When you talk about, when you say that that they're spending more money driving to the store and doing all this, that's just not true. That's why 13% of, a, of, a, of all the retail sales are done in a physical in, in a online and 87% are done up in a physical store. Because financially, it makes more sense. Majority of Americans can't afford convenience. That's just the reality. Majority of Americans can't afford convenience. You are you and I are on a podcast where most Americans can't do this at 1230 in the middle of the day. And you and I are in a different bucket of people who can afford to pay for shipping on every product because it's only going to get magnified. What retailer can, you know, my wife buy four, return three, pay no shipping and then make money. It doesn't work.
0: You know it's so, uh, it's amazing watching the economy change right as we watch these this evolution happen you know with with folks going buying McDonald's from DoorDash and and Grubhub and having having their McDonald's delivered you know uh, Chris, I can hear what you're saying about uh, you, you believe that this is the trend. You know, you might be the only person I've, I've talked to in the last, uh, last, class You got to follow me now. on LinkedIn because no, I'm in this retail no, sector no, I and you. every, you're the cheer for the, for the guys out there. I love that you're cheering them on and that you've got this. I could see the vision and look, you're, you're holding the flag up high and waving. Hey, listen, don't forget that this is. the Look what Eric time. just
1: posted in the chat. Eric just posted a bottle of Fanta for $13 you and i maybe can afford to pay for that and get it sent to us most americans would 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 drive 2 hours because because consumer behavior is not always rational but most americans would drive 2 hours he, he said, Eric said he would walk two hours before he would pay $13 for
0: a bottle of Fanta. But you got to know how cheap Eric is, right? <laughs> but, but then he'll turn around and spend, spend you know, 1200 bucks on a brand new lens. For so, you know, exactly.
1: It's, it's just... A- it's, it's, it's not rational. I agree that it's not always rational. But the point is... I see the chat. But the point is, you have to admit that most Americans... That won't work. Most Americans can't
0: pay thirteen dollars. Not only don't want to choose it, but actually can't pay thirteen dollars for a phantom. I, I think we're seeing that most Americans are too lazy, and they'll spend the thirteen bucks to not get off their ass and get sit watch TV, and, and 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 they'll go for the convenience. You know, I've got I've got kids who. I, I, I but your kids that. are in a different I spirit. Know. You're in a different class of people. It's, it's, You're it's, in a different class. You, th- can say, th- you can say, Oak oh, Parkers are, and you can say, but as I drive around this country, and, and, and being around this country, our entire country has changed. I mean, look, the, the entire ev- ev- evolution of our, we have been a prosperous country for a lot of years now, and we've and we've grown dramatically, and there's lots of money in the economy. Now, look, if you don't pay attention to it, and like you said, be smart about how we're doing this. I think there'll be a continuous growth between both the online growth and strategically with, with the physical growth, with the with bricks and sticks and mortar, but we're seeing that change. And you're saying, hey, I'm not seeing that. Your, your, your rent deals aren't changing. Your leases, you're still getting a 10-year lease with two five-year terms?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're seeing, but I'm not the only one. Most of retail is. That's, that's not, that's that that's not, that's not unique. Like most of retail and you say 10 and two, five years, I wouldn't say that most of retail is getting long-term leases done. That's for sure. The point I wanted to, the, the other thing I wanted to hit on you, you, the the thing that I think you keep, you keep like, when you met, I try to, we own in like 30 States and some places that are pretty value oriented. So I'm traveling a ton to say most Americans can afford convenience? I that that in the manner in which you're
0: talking about it. I, here, I, I'm not saying here I'm not saying they can afford it. I say they will spend it. Can they afford it? No. Do I think? <laughs> do I, do I think that's a different, all different topic, though. That's a different, that's a different topic. So, 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 I would say to you that you're seeing a lot of the people who c- could afford it the least are spending it on the things they should not be spending it on. And you're absolutely right. And that's why it, this economic uh, separation is happening. So, yes. Uh, so
1: so that, that, there's a distinction between, I think that was a good point. I, I don't know that piece. I don't have any stats about who, what, what people who can afford it versus not are. I know the facts that most people can't afford it. That's true. I don't know. Like, but one of the things I would say is the reason that you're seeing more people get it is because they don't have to pay for it. Most, you see a lot of free shipping. The point that I'm making is, well, when you see that, the retailer's losing and that will come to roost. They won't do that. They're going to have, that buck has to get passed at some point. They have to make a, pro- you're a businessman, you have to make a profit. Now you might be able to get innovative like an Amazon or Costco, but not every brand can.
0: No, they, they've definitely that pendulum will always continue to swing. Right, there's a little bit of growth on the online. They'll get they'll hit, they'll hit the a, a premium where it's too much. The the bricks and sticks will grow. Chris, I think your point is well made. They'll never. I, I don't know that we'll ever have a spot where you won't buy stuff in a physical world. I like going to a physical store every once in a while and finding tools or something I need right now or I don't have time to wait for a delivery. But as those delivery routes are getting smarter and faster, you know, I made an order yesterday. Uh, I needed some place rugs. We, we, we snowed over here in Chicago and people were tracking it in and someone said to the office, we need some rugs. Amazon had them here in two hours. I was like, huh. I was I was I was amazed by the speed by which uh, these delivery routes are happening. You know, um, as you as you continue to go, what do you want the people to, what do you want uh, everybody to know about uh, about your group and and how to get a hold of you? So, um,
1: you can find us at dlcngmt.com. Number one, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Follow Ressa on real estate. I'm growing on all social channels, but I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. We have a podcast called Retail Retold where we talk about interesting things in the, at the convergence of retail and real estate. And I have a lot of retail and real estate influencers on that show. And, you know, DLC is growing. Uh, We are investing heavily in open air, retail real estate, and we're excited about the path forward
0: awesome chris you know it's fun having this this debate with you about it I it was fun i think that as you look at uh uh, you know, great podcasts for me are ones that make people think and uh, take a position on one side or the other side and, and outthink the other person on it. I think it's great to have uh, debates on this, question it, really question where we're going, what we're up to. Uh, all kinds of great impacts are happening. It's great having you on the show. I know you're busy and uh, I'm great. I'm grateful. As you guys have continue to have breakthroughs in what you're doing and uh, the conversations that you're having, I'd love to have you on the show again. Excellent. Great and audience! If you guys loved having us debate and talk about interesting things, uh, please make sure that you take a second right now and just go su- subscribe. Uh, it takes two seconds, and it really does help Chris and I, you know, uh, uh, with topics. If you if you want to say something to us, make sure that you leave a comment down below. We're grateful for uh, all you listeners and everything we have. So uh, thanks again. Thanks for joining us. My name is Anthony Monotegi. always looking for people to bring insight into the industry, finding ways to inspire people to have amazing careers in the development world. If you liked our podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Thanks again for listening. Please share with your friends.